Hey everybody, how's it going tonight? This is Rebel Rock Radio, and this is episode number hell, 148. And <laughs> uh, tonight we will be talking about Disney Plus TV series Andor. We're doing a one year later retrospective. With me tonight, coming back is JD. How's it going tonight? I am doing excellent, sir. And yourself? Awesome. Doing good. Doing good. So, uh, let's see. We've got Isaac in the chat room right now. So far, uh, still a little early, but we've got our uh, our Andor discussion. We'll have our uh, recommendations of the week a little bit later. We've got some tunes to play. Um, so, why don't we go ahead and jump into that first tune? Just jump in and get things going. Um, so this comes from a band based out of New York City by the name of Glimmer. And they released a single on October 18th of this year that we're going to play. And that single is called Place in the Sun. So here's Place in the Sun by Glimmer. Enjoy. Oh 
that was Place in the Sun by Glimmer. Kind of an indie pop kind of thing going on there. Nice stuff. Those guys, like I said, are from New York. And um, I don't see any plans. Oh, they've got plans to release a full-length album in 2024. But no, uh, no messages about when that will be out. Tina is joining the chat. Hey, Tina, how's it going? Good to see you in here. Um, as I said, this is episode 148. If you're just joining, we're going to be talking about Andor today. And we've got some more music coming for you a little bit later, as well as our weekly picks. Um, but we've also got a few things to um, discuss, I suppose. Um, so November 17th uh, is already passed, of course. Um but November 17th of this year was the fourth anniversary of the debut of the show. So we never really did a four-year anniversary type um, type show. Uh, but I thought we would at least mention it and say, hey, this is our post fourth anniversary show. It's never too late to celebrate. Never too late to celebrate. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's crazy that we've been on this long uh, and still don't even have 150 episodes yet. But, yeah, you know, happens. Things happen. Um, well, congrats, congratulations on four years, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Been uh, been a wild four years, and it has had its ups and downs, but uh, – we're still here, and we're going to keep bringing the content as long as you guys keep coming and listening to us. Um, the other announcement that I want to make, uh, JD doesn't even know this, uh, and I've been keeping it pretty uh, pretty close to the chest uh, for several weeks. Um, there are very few people that know this, but... Um, Rubble Rock Radio has joined uh, a pod, a, a new upcoming uh, podcast network. Um, we were on a podcast network previously, uh, left that for reasons, uh, and we were invited to come join a another podcast network. So, um, the announcement, of course, is that we are now part of the subculture podcast network um other podcasts that are on this network off the top of my head we've got dork wars which uh you have uh, probably seen on the show before uh the host that is blake has been on the show he's the guy that hosts uh dork wars um there is um Stand by. Let me let me think of this. I I know, I know that there's so there's a uh, there's a podcast called Trekkers Delight, 
um, Star Trek um, podcast. Uh, there is a podcast called Iconis. I get a feeling that I'm, I'm pronouncing that one wrong. Hang on. I, th- I think it's, yeah, I think it's Iconis podcast. Um, I've listened to quite a few episodes of that one. It's actually pretty good. Uh, and then there is also Entertain, Entertain Rant, uh, if I've got that one correct. Um, it's a pretty small network, so if Entertainment Rants. Uh, is what it is. Entertainment rants. Um, and then there is another podcast other than us that is called. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm, I'm forgetting this. It's uh, got hole in the name. I know that. I really should have had this list pulled up. But, you know, I'm not smart enough to be prepared. Uh, Preparation sucks. Well, you know what? I'll just look at their uh, look at their bio link. Portable Hole Publishing is the name of it. Um, and it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, so they do have a bio link if you want to go check that out. And you know, you know what? I thought I put a banner in here, but apparently I didn't. There we go. Uh, so right there at the bottom. Uh, just go to bio.link forward slash subculture pod network, and that will link you to all of the podcasts uh, that are on there and all the social media links for uh, the podcast network. We are not on there yet. I told them to hang on until I was able to make uh, the announcement. Um, That's awesome. It's always cool to get in with some of those smaller ones and people that have trying to build up together and get everybody's name out there and work together to get their podcast going. So that's always, a yeah, good. that's what it's all about. Just kind of help cross promote and, and get, uh, get kind of a community going together. And uh, these are all a bunch of really good guys and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun being part of this, this community. Um, so there you have it. Subculture Podcast Network that we are now a part of. Um, awesome. Awesome. All awesome, right. Awesome. Well, let's see. So, uh, speaking of social media, where can you find us? Well, Rubble Rock Radio is all over the place. It's got pretty much every social media um, link that you can probably imagine. Um, but I've got one link that'll take you to everything. If you, yeah, if you just go to rebelrockradio.com, that will take you to our bio link, uh, which will take you to all of the different, not only the, uh, all the different social media links, but we'll also, uh, link you to our YouTube channel where you can, uh, see the replays of this, uh, fine live stream. And we'll also take you to most of the audio platforms that our audio podcast is on, Um, which basically is just an audio version of the live stream. Uh, But yeah, we're on Apple and Spotify and a bunch more, and those are linked on our bio link. So just go to rebelrockradio.com. Also um, linked on our uh, bio link is a link to our 
Patreon, where you too can be a patron of the Rebel Rock Radio podcast, and you can help financially support us for as little as $1 a month. We do have a great group of folks that are supporting us currently, so I do want to give them a shout-out. So, shout-outs go to Dave, Kelly, Chris, Justin, Charlie, and Chantel. Thank you so much for supporting us and uh, helping us keep the lights on, so to speak. And keep those show suggestions coming because we, we could always use a, a good topic. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we definitely uh, could help use some help in the uh, subject matter area. I mean, we've got, we've got a few ideas out there. We just need to... We love talking about Star Wars, so if it has to do with Star Wars or basically anything... That is true. We do we do love talking about Star Wars. Heck yeah. Well, so uh, you know it's been uh, it's been a few weeks since we've done an episode. Um what have you been up to? Man, I just I actually was in Colorado when the last episode was going to come up or the, the the one yeah, the last episode that we were going to do before you went on vacation. I was in Colorado. I had some business to take care of with my mom that just recently passed. So <clears throat> I uh, took care of that while I was there and spent some time with family for Thanksgiving, which had a great time. And uh, so, yeah, I was vacationing in Colorado, and I actually thought I was going to be out of the mountains before the podcast started. And I ended up, I ended up being stuck in the upper hills in the upper country and not being able to get any cell service. So, <laughs> oh, wow. which sometimes isn't a bad thing because when you can get a break from social media and get away from stuff that's always a good thing but unfortunately yeah, i wasn't able sure. to do the podcast so <laughs> definitely anything else been going on no no man just kind of shuffling through the holidays getting some of the holiday stuff done doing a little bit of shopping for uh you know for that coming up you know okay. getting ready for uh, christmas and stuff and uh I'm um, gonna be spending some time at the company pick or company uh, company picnic, uh, <laughs> the company Christmas party this weekend, and oh, very nice. and uh, yeah, yeah. So my uh, my daughter's kind of leaning on me a little bit because her boyfriend has to go back to England for a month to review his to renew his visa, yeah. and then he will be coming back to take a job for the next semester in the college school year, and uh, so yeah, she's uh, kind of leaning on me a little bit. Because he's going to be gone for a month, so. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, how have you been, buddy? How's how was your vacation, man? How was it? Uh, well, it was just kind of a two-day thing. I took a, a train ride down to Dallas to go see a concert, um, and that was last week. That is why we uh, did not uh, have a show last week. I uh, went down to see the Menzingers, and that's a band based out of uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, but that was that was good. The train ride was pleasant, uh, much better experience, um, really than uh, than taking a trip on an airplane because uh, you don't have to deal with the whole TSA thing and uh, all that. I tell you, no, one of these bad. years, one of these years when I retire, I would love to go to like either fly to L.A. or New York and do one of those train rides that takes you from one city to the other across yeah. the country. I think that would be truly interesting to see 
you know, the entire country from a train ride where you're not in control. You can just sleep when you want or hang out and just watch and look and see the back country of America. I would love to do that. I think that would be an awesome, awesome experience. Yeah, I could. Yeah, that would be a would pretty be a pretty fun ride. Mm-hmm. So this one was just down to Dallas, which um, like if I was driving it, it would be like three, three and a half hours, maybe um, depending on how fast I want to drive. Uh, train was uh, interestingly enough longer than it would have taken me to drive uh, just because of all the stops they had to make in between. Um, but overall, it was a uh, much better experience than driving down there. I've just gotten to the point where I, I don't like, I really don't like driving anymore. I used to try, go, try going through Western Kansas and going to Colorado. Oh, I've, I've done it. Yeah. That's, that's, how we get to, that's how we get up to Longmont when we go up there. It's yeah. <laughs> as no soon problem. as you get through Western Kansas and Eastern Colorado and you see those mountains, you're like, Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah I used to drive everywhere. I just, I don't, don't like it near as much as I, I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall it was, a, it was a much better experience. Um, and I, and funny thing is that the train ticket was like, Really, less than the cost of a tank of gas. Nice. So, that's good, though. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you don't have to worry about dealing with traffic. You don't have to worry about the driving part of it. You just yeah. sit back, relax, and I just check out the scenery. I just took an Uber everywhere when I got down there. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So like, yeah. Perfect. And there's Ubers awesome. all over the place, so it was really easy to find one. Mm-hmm. But good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So. Um, what else has been going on with me? Oh, you know what? Last night, um, the uh, the missus and I had a dinner date. Now, this is interesting. The uh, you guys, you know who Gordon Ramsay is, right? Oh yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, so he opened up a new restaurant in Oklahoma City, um, which is Oklahoma City is about thirty minutes from where I'm at. Um, mm-hmm. Although the restaurant was kind of on the north end of Oklahoma City, so it was kind of a like a forty-five minute drive ish. Um, but we, uh, you know, it opened up and we made reservations because uh, Randy really wanted to try out that place. And uh, we went there last night, and it was pretty amazing. Um, food was really good, not surprisingly. Um, Mindy was not, she, she was really excited about their beef Wellington. Um, unfortunately, isn't that, one of his favorite, isn't that one of his favorite dishes? Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah, ever watch that show, uh, Hell's Kitchen, you know, the beef Wellington is, is a really big deal. Uh, so she was really excited about that and ordered that. Uh, but, but unfortunately was not terribly impressed. Um, hmm. Like the meat was good. It was just the outer layerings that she had kind of a problem with. Hmm. Uh, it was kind of mushy. So, hmm. not, not, uh, I, I actually, I was like, there was a lot of things on the menu. I'm like, hmm, what to pick? And I ended up, I wound up going with the fish and chips uh, because I've heard that his fish is, you know, his fish and chips are really good. Uh, and they, they definitely were, I mean, um, like usually when you go to a restaurant uh, or at least when I do, 
and you go and get fish and chips, it's usually uh, the fish is like cod. Uh, but here it was haddock. So wow. a little bit nicer cut uh, of fish. And um, yeah, it was really good. I mean, it was definitely some good, good, uh, good fish and chips. But that being said, I have to say that the highlight of the meal was one of the appetizers. Um, one of the appetizers that we ordered was a crab cake. And that thing was just amazing. Like, I was telling some folks in the, in the, in the uh, one of the chat rooms that I'm in that I'm going to have dreams about that crab cake because that, that thing was so good. I mean, it was like, yeah, I mean, Manny even like, he, she looked it up on the internet to find out, um, find out the recipe for that crab cake because it's like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> Because <laughs> that is amazing. It was so good. Um, the other appetizer we got was what was that thing called? A scotch egg, which I've had one before and I wasn't terribly impressed. Uh, this one was fine. You know I mean, it was good, but it was better than the one I had before, but just really not my thing, I guess. I don't know. It was, it was fine. We, I, I ate it. We have a, if you ever get a chance to go to Estes Park, there's a oh, Irish been there. place. I've been there. Have I've you been, been to the Irish restaurant in Estes Park? Which one? The Irish restaurant. No, we did not go to that one. Yeah, you'll have to go to the Irish place in, in Estes Park. They make elk burgers. They make a Philly chase, cheesesteak sandwich. And every time we go there, we try different restaurants. But every time we go there, we always go back to the same place. We always try the same thing. And it's yeah. like, ah, I just... Yeah, I really I, I, I do like those type of restaurants. So I definitely yes. once we get up there, I'll have to try it. Uh, mm -hmm. if, we get up, if we get up there again. Um yeah, that's fun. Um so that was last night, but um what else? Anything else going on? Well, I've been working on oh, I know what. Um I finally got around to recording another episode of my other podcast, which is a uh, music-based podcast. It, it well, it's, this one's music too, but that one's like, like that's a, that's the whole thing. It's like we're very music-centric, um, and it's called Radio Unfriendly. Um, so you can go to radiounfriendly.com and that'll take you to all those links. Uh, but yeah, we finally finally got another episode out. Uh, it's been a really long time since we recorded an episode of that. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So we're gonna try to make that a little bit more consistent again. Um, nice. And then other than that, it is the end of the year. And for me with the end of the year also brings the end of the year favorites list. Um, starting with the best albums of 2023 list um, that I have started working on. And that has been, um, I don't know if I want to use the word nightmare, but it has been <laughs> it has been mentally exhausting. It's just been it's been a weird year. I mean, it's been a weird year in a good way for music because there's been a lot of stuff that came out, and it's just like God trying to figure out, you know, trying to trying to hash it down to. Uh, in my case, I'm doing a top twenty. Um, I, I tend to bounce around with what 
number I'm going to go with. And it's, it usually stays around like between 10 and 30. Um, I think last year I did a top 10, but uh, yeah, this year's a top 20 and I've been working on writing that out and it's been exhausting. Uh, <laughs> most fun. And so I'll let, uh, I'll let you folks know when that is available to peruse. And I think on Radio Unfriendly, we're actually going to do a top albums review episode. So hopefully we get that out before the end of the year. Um, and then I'll probably do a top movies of the year type thing. All right. That's enough jibber jabber. <laughs> uh, we got some music to play. So uh, next tune we have comes from Chico, California, from a band called The Windups. And uh, back in October, late October, they released an album called Happy Like This. And we're playing a tune from that album. So this is The Windups with the song O. Windups. I didn't realize it was that short. Uh, so interesting. That was uh, a little um, kind of buzzed out garage rock there. Good stuff there. Be uh, be sure to check out that album of theirs. That was um, Happy Like This. Um, I don't remember what label that came on. I think it came on label. Let's see if I can find that information. That was Mount Saint Mountain. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay. Whatever. <laughs> it's worth checking out, though. I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff that. I play on here actually is not from a label. I mean, there are a few, and like the ones that are on a record label, the record labels are like really small. Um, so not really any uh, record labels that most 
people have heard of. Uh, hey, Dragon Buddy, how's it going? You're just in time. We haven't started talking about Andor yet. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of cool, though. I mean, I like the fact that you promote some of these smaller bands and some of these smaller people that don't have, yeah, that don't necessarily have big big name labels, and they're you know guys that are just trying to get started and get going. You know, maybe get their names out there. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's cool. That's that's good to hear. You know, that's good to hear these these uh, alternative places and stuff that yeah. doesn't necessarily appear on mainstream. You know, that's that's good stuff. Exactly. Yeah, it's great stuff. Um, and that's that's kind of the the purpose behind um, radio and friendly as well. Is like. We generally play anywhere between like six and ten uh, bands um, on any given episode, and and all of that is, uh, well, like like the title of the podcast kind of suggests, it's radio unfriendly. So it's like music that you are unlikely to hear on the radio. <laughs> so so good to get uh, get those names out. I was even checking out uh, one of your Instagram ones. And, you know, there was a post on Instagram we were talking about did Disney ruin Star Wars episode, and the and one of the bands that you played from Russia, I can't remember. It was Tent. Uh, what the heck was her name? Oh, uh, no, no, I know, I know what you're talking about. Um, uh -huh. Let me let me check my notes here because that was. Uh, that was the, you said that was the has Disney ruined Star Wars? Yeah, and they actually they actually showed up on your Instagram page and said and gave a shout out and said much love. I thought that was cool. No tricks, you know? no tricks. Yeah, that was what it was. Yeah. No tricks. Yeah, that was great. I, I thought that was cool because they were happy that we played their stuff. That was great. Yeah, uh, I mean it's not uncommon. Hey, Spencer, um. So I thought radio and friendly, as in the hosts are unfriendly. Well, it depends on the day, Spencer. It's um, like that restaurant you go to, and they're intentionally rude to you for entertainment purposes. Yeah. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> what was I getting at? Yeah, it's, it's not uncommon for the bands to because when I when I post the promo for for these uh, and for radio and friendly. Uh, when I post the promos on social media, I always, if the band has a presence on the social media that I'm posting it on, I will tag them um, just so people can go and check them out on social media. Uh, but it's it's not uncommon for them to comment or send something to me personally and uh, just leave a comment that you know thanks for playing it and makes me feel like it is worth the worth the effort <laughs> so to speak um <laughs> all right it is time for our weekly recommendations so it's time for rubble rock radio weekly picks um uh, i'm gonna let you go first You let me go first. Yeah, I'm gonna let you go. First. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I missed that whole thing. Um, <laughs> I actually uh, this week I I found a new for those of you who are video game lovers and first person shooter lovers. I'm a history buff. I love history. Uh, I love history more than I do like modern video games and things like that. Like I said, one of my in the past, one of my favorite uh, video game series is the Assassin's Creed series because I love the historical value of it. I love the 
the um, historical places and the history that goes the history that goes along with it. Uh, but actually, this week, my recommendation this week is is that if you've never played it before, it's a completely online game. It's called Hell Let Loose. It's a game that I just fresh into, just started playing. It's the first-person shooter game, and it actually takes place in uh, the campaigns of World War II. And it is pretty intense. I die a lot because I right now I suck <laughs> at it. Um, but it's it. I, I believe it or not, I found some fun in it, and it's a pretty good game. So if you love first-person historical or first-person shooters with a historical twist to them. I would recommend giving it a shot. Like I said, you're going to die a lot, so don't get frustrated, but give it a shot. It's a lot of fun. And the other day I got to play the Americans, uh, which was cool about this is the cool, kind of a cool story behind this. So a little bit of history about myself and my family. Um, my grandfather uh, was actually at Omaha beach during the storming of Omaha beach. He was a communications officer during the storming and I actually during the game when I started playing it the other day I got to play the Americans and got to storm the beaches of Omaha and um, it was kind of interesting because if you think of my grandpa and make you think about what he might have done while he was over there what he might have went through and even though it's just a first-person shooter video game it's has a very realistic tinge to it and a very realistic element to it and uh, to think of just playing the video game and how crazy it is to keep dying all the time and have to go back in and constantly try to do stuff. I was like, wow, that's just, that's intense. I can't imagine, you know, what they went through or the kind of things they experienced. So, but it's a, it wasn't, a, it's a, it's a pretty fun video game. I've gotten, kind of gotten into it, maybe a little too much, <laughs> just a little bit too much. This is a reason why I haven't gotten PlayStation plus in, until this year was because I didn't want to get involved because I have too many personal chores that I have to do. Mm. So this might be a bad thing for me, but at this point I'm enjoying it. So that's my recommendation for this week. Very good. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Um, so my recommendation this week is a movie. Um, I actually watched two movies this weekend. Uh, one of which I will not recommend because <clears throat> quite frankly, it was trash. Uh, and a waste of, you know, I don't remember how long that movie was. Too long. Um, but the movie I am going to recommend that I watched, I watched on Saturday, was Godzilla Minus One. And it was really good. It, um, you know, it was uh, a Japanese film with, with English subtitles. So that may turn off a lot of people. Um, I know it turned off everybody I asked to go with me. Um, but <laughs> but so I went and saw it by myself. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to see it. Um, and it takes place uh, like right after World War II. Um, and it's uh, I, I really liked it. I really liked the way that Godzilla looked in it. Um, something about the way they put them together it was, it was re really good um, really good movie if you are a good Godzilla fan uh, definitely worth going to check out and uh, I don't know if you like uh, subtitled films this is right up your alley too <laughs> so uh, a, lot of, a lot of cool stuff it was um, 
I get the feeling they're probably going to do a a sequel to this, uh, hmm. especially based on the numbers I've been hearing that it's bringing in. Uh, bringing in quite a quite a good uh, box office. You that. know you. You know, you go back and watch the old Japanese versions where they had the guy in the suit stomping on the model things. And to see what it's developed into this day, it's like, yep. it's amazing. It's amazing how well that movie does after after all that, at the history of it. And and how does it, uh, let me ask you this, how does it tie into that series they're doing on Apple Apple TV? Do you know? I don't think it has anything to do with that. Oh, okay. So, so something, um, something completely separate, huh? Completely uh, different continuities. Um, I think that one is supposed to be more. And I haven't read a whole lot about it, but I think that one's supposed to have more to do with the new, um, like the universal, universal so like the, coming out. The Godzilla um, versus King Kong universe kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, so there, there is actually another one of those coming out next year. It's called Empire uh, or something like that. What was it called? I can't remember. It's called Godzilla versus King Kong something. I think Empire or something like that. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, I remember. Remember the word Empire in there somewhere. Um, hold on, I've got a list of movies that are coming out. Uh, the New Empire. Yeah. The new Empire. Yeah, the new Empire. Yeah, I knew it was Empire <laughs> in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I will definitely go and see that because I'm I'm looking forward to that. I did like the the other uh Godzilla versus Kong uh movie. Um the one that came out in oh man, when was that? That was 2021. Mm-hmm. Um but you know the movie that uh, I seem to be gravitating more toward as far as being um, kind of excited to see next year. Uh, now, now there's Dune, Dune 2. Um, I am looking forward to seeing that. Uh, but the more I see the trailer, the more I am uh, really excited to see the new Planet of the Apes movie. Hmm, I haven't seen... I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched any of those. I haven't. I think I watched like the first one with Mark Wahlberg. Oh yeah, that's yeah. That one is not even the best of that that branch. Actually, I don't even think that is. That one's not even part of the same um, franchise uh, reboot franchise as uh, what this one is in. This one started with. The um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, that one came out in 2000. Hmm. Uh, 2011 is when that one came out. Hmm. Uh, and then it was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, and then War for the Planet of the Apes. And that one came out in 2017. So this is the first one since 2017. Um and it is called Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to that one. All right. Well, let's uh, let's finish up our music set with the last musical interlude of the evening. Um, this one. It, let me turn that thing off. 
we're not doing that anymore. Um, this one comes from Nashville, Tennessee, and the band is called Palm Ghosts. Um, they released an album on the 10th of November uh, through Sweet Cheetah Records, and the name of the album was Love You, Burn in Hell. Great name for an album. Um, <laughs> and the song okay. that we're going to play from that album is called Automatic for the Modern Age. So here is that one. Yes, that was sold to me. 
All right. Well, that was Automatic for the Modern Age by Palm Ghosts. Had kind of a, an 80s like goth rock feel to it. A little bit of techno in there too. Yeah, a little bit of that. Kind of kind of uh, along the lines of like Killing Joke, Sisters of Mercy. Um few other bands not so much like the cure maybe a little joy division in there just a tad um yeah it's kind of a kind of goth rock type techno thing like you mentioned um so uh check them out i just put out an album called love you burn in hell through sweet cheetah records so uh, i love that title yeah it's great <laughs> gotta love it <laughs> All right, well, it is time to talk some Andor. Andor, woohoo. And so, a um, little over a year ago, we had a TV series uh, based on a character from uh, Rogue One, of course, uh, Cassie and Andor. And, of course, the show was a little bit more than just about him. Um, this show kind of gave us the um, a glimpse into the birth of the Rebel Alliance. Um, and, I mean, I got to say, out of all the, uh, the live-action TV shows that Disney Plus has put out. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I like I like the Mandalorian, but but Andor uh, for me is just right there at the top. Uh, just such an amazing show, and there's so much to talk about. Such a great show. Um, well, I mean, the, the, uh, the, what do you think of the show in general? I love it. Um, as I've said before, um, you know, I've talked about this before in the past, um, that I think it was basically meant for a, a um, older crowd. I don't really think if you, if you, you know, George Lucas always said that Star Wars was made for the 12 year old kid who was growing up and wasn't sure where to go in his life and this, that, and the other thing where Andor, I think with, uh, with Disney has become a, a show that's more for adults and more of dealing with, uh, a lot deeper subjects, a lot darker subjects in some cases too, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, everybody loved, I, I'm, I'm admittedly, I'm, I'm one of those people who rogue one is one of my favorite, uh, movie mediums to come out of Disney. I think it was great, great execution. I think it was greatly done. Um, even though there was some behind the scenes problems and issues that it had, it came out great. I think it really did well. Um, it was well received. It seems like, and uh, the fact that they're doing a background story about him and some of his finer points that he mentioned during the movie, you know, some of the things that he had been through and the fact that they don't know, you know, the decisions that he's had to make. Uh, I think it's great that they're kind of expanding upon that and they're expanding upon the, some of the deeper, deeper issues, not only with the rebellion, but with the empire and things like Saul Guerrera and, you know, the more extreme side of the rebellion as opposed mm -hmm. to the ones that's trying to be more diplomatic about things. And, 
how they were, you know, they were trying to be diplomatic or they were trying to be behind the scenes and they were trying to find ways around, you know, imperial policy. But then they they had to end up fighting in the end. It came down to war and, and that kind of thing in the yeah. end. And, I, and, and it just the, the background it goes into and the the talking points and the monologuing. I mean, it's just it's it's so well done. And I, yeah. I and the acting is just wah, on point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, great. And I love some of those, those some of the great characters. Um, I've seen Diego Luna and some of my and one of my favorite westerns is um, Open Range, and he was in Open Range, and he played a kid in that movie, and I think he played a great role, and it was kind of a side role, but he did really good, so I was really excited to see him in this. And yeah. then Stone Skarsgård, I mean, phenomenal. I think he's a great actor, awesome dude, and you're gonna sh- don't anybody shoot me. But the lady who plays Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma, excellent actress, love her. She does great. Um, and then uh, the gal that's his helper in the uh, in the uh, antiquities uh, mm-hmm. uh, shop that he owns. Yeah. yeah, excellent, excellent. And the the even the ladies from the uh, uh, each one of the you know each the, the ladies that help with the the heist, and yeah. then the lady that helped him in his home world and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just. Some phenomenal acting, phenomenal, uh, you know, just phenomenal work on that end. And I think it's just been a a really great put together show. So, yeah, Uh, overall, it's just it was just it was a fantastic show. So uh, Tina in the chat said that Andor was a show I didn't know I needed until it aired. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Very good. I agree. You know, you always hear people give people. You always hear people give you crap if you're a Star Wars fan, and they're outside of the Star Wars medium. It's always Star Wars is for kids. Watch this show. Watch this show. You will find out real quick. It's not for kids. It's it's something. It's a very, uh, a very. Hey, hey Dork Wars. Uh, it's a very yeah, mature, funny. very mature subject matter. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um. So. As the course of the entire series goes, it's kind of cut up uh, into pieces. You have uh, everything leading up to the heist and the heist. Uh, and then after that, you have basically the the prison act. Uh, and then after that, everything after that is kind of everything leading up to um, Andor's um entry into the rebellion and mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of behind the scenes stuff as far as the rebellion um you were saying talking about dark themes and more mature themes you really get a sense of how gray this war is mm-hmm. um and how everything is not like um n- nothing is all black and white now that, that does lead me to uh, another um, thought that as in, you know, you got the original trilogy uh, and you're seeing the actions and the story uh, just from this, uh, you know, the, this perspective of, of like these three or four people. Um, and you don't really get a sense of the war itself you know there's a war going on because you've got this rebellion against the empire but you don't really get a sense of the war itself uh maybe perhaps a little bit 
uh, when you get to Return of the Jedi. Um, well, and I think in a little way that might be the point of it, though, because at that point, the Rebellion really, if they they kind of they kind of hint to the point that the Rebellion might be out there or there might be something going on, but they don't really, they really haven't made a move yet. Yeah. And the theft, the theft on the planet, the, the, the you know, the scenes where the, they, they make the heist kind of gives them the idea that there's something bigger going on. Yeah. And so they might not have been engaged <clears throat> in the fact that, they, you know, there wasn't really an engagement in, you know, uh, uh, there's a rebellion or they didn't, you know, you know I don't even think yeah. at, at most points they didn't even really mention a rebellion. Other than maybe like Saul Guerrero, you know, doing a few of his things. Right, right. Um, and that 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 the one IFB agent, uh, she kind of had an idea. There's something going on out there. Yeah, she's trying yeah. to piece it all together. Um, but yeah, this one this one kind of gave us more of a look into the war side of the war. <clears throat> um, and as I mentioned uh, on another episode of. of of uh of the show here at some point i was talking about how um this was a lot more uh grounded star wars than um you know like the original trilogy and even the even the prequel trilogy uh gave us uh because you know most of that was all about the uh the jedi and, and the force users and whatnot and this is more uh about the the kind of the the grunts so to speak um of of the war um so Tina made another comment that uh kind of Lincoln and or to rule one um my mindset was they all died uh but this show makes the deaths even more meaningful like yeah you yeah 100 percent that you get an idea, yeah, you get an idea of these people that died in Rogue One, and when you get to to learn more about these people, it kind of kind of makes it worse. Well, uh, I think that's a I think that's one of the great things, like out of the Clone Wars, for example, was you know you've got these basic stories that came out with the movies that kind of set this tone, and then Clone Wars went in and expanded more on it and and made you empathize more with the characters and made you understand a little bit more about it this show took that to such an extreme level of really diving deep into some of these characters that we've been invested in with rogue one that were like you know wow this is great and it wasn't one of those things where it was like you know it wasn't one of those things where it was like uh it was all fun and games and and jokes and blah 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 it was this is serious business for them and you even get to, and like you said, with the gray area, you even get to step into imperial lives and see that they had wives and they had kids and they had, yeah. you know, some of the things they had going on. And it's like, you know, because there's always been people that have said, uh, you know, I kind of stand on, you know, there's people that always been, and even for me, it was kind of confusing. It was like, there's people like, oh, but I always wanted to be part of the empire. I always wanted to be part of the rebellion. And this show kind of establishes that a little bit to the point where you go, I can kind of see a little bit where some people would look at that and go, I, I kind of get it because there's always that core statement of one man's like uh, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Right. right. So depending on what side you stand on and what side you feel about it, 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 it depends on how, who you have sympathy with and all that kind of stuff. 
and you actually go into it. And when you see people die on the Death Star, for instance, it's like those people might have actually had families or they might have had a private life or they might have been, you know, who were they before that happened? And it's like, wow, okay. And it makes it to where you're like, you're right. Exactly. It, it, it makes the lines gray. It blurs the lines. Yeah. And this I mean, show it, is it, what does that. It, it makes you realize that like, okay, so maybe, you know, not, not all Imperials were aware of the, the, the really shady crap that was going on. I, I just saw that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Dragon Buddy made a, a good comment here. He just gave us the imagery of how far the Empire was willing to go and gave more meaning to why Saw Gerrera did what he did mm-hmm. and how he did it. Uh, but, yeah, like I was saying, it was it was it um, it really got into the gray areas of war. Um, yeah, and I, I mean... Blake, Blake, I, Blake made a very good point here. It, it was, well... At times, it may have felt like it was a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, yeah, the kind of TV you used to get before streaming services and some people couldn't handle it. Um, yeah, there were actually people that were not like, this wasn't really their favorite Star Wars, which which is fine. It's all good. But I, uh, My recommendation for people is that if they, if they later in the town and later in time, if they watch it and you haven't watched it a second time, I definitely recommend it because once you watch it the first time, it does feel like a slow burn. But when you watch it the second time, it definitely yeah. picks up the pace because you you understand a little bit better about what's going on. And then you you it's like all Star Wars in my or all movies are Star Wars. Once you watch it a second time or even a third time, you pick up on things and you see things you didn't see before. Yeah. And this is definitely one of those shows that you should watch more than once because then you see it and then you you start to notice you're not just looking. You know, you're not just looking here. Yeah. You start to expand your view on it, and it really becomes, it really becomes, you know, more um, things become more clear. I think. So I, I think I have seen it. I've watched it at least three times. Yeah, three for me um, too. And I know that I watched it in preparation to do this episode. So yeah. Yep. Yep. I watched it the first time it came out. Then I watched it a couple months later after I let it kind of fill, you know, kind of settle in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then before yeah. I knew we were going to do this show, then I did it again. And I even picked up on things the third time. And if I watch it four or five, there's, there's things, there's things you're going to see again, as you're not, that you're like, Oh wow. I didn't notice that the first time yeah. or I didn't pick up on it the first time. And and that's, I, to me, that makes it, that makes the meaning of it so much better is because yeah. you're seeing things and you're picking up things every time you watch it. And it's always something new. And really, that's my love of Star Wars anyway, because you watch the movies and you're just like, I didn't pick up on these themes or we have these conversations. And then I go, that makes more sense. It, so, so Tina, that's a very, very good point that a lot of people uh, didn't like about it. But so I never knew I could be interested in a Star Wars show that didn't involve Sith or Jedi. Um, and I think a lot of people felt that way. It didn't have... Uh, it didn't have your uh, wizards with magic swords, <laughs> but um, but we had brick, we had bricks and nails, though. Yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I you know, the Sith and the Jedi are obviously a very big part of the Star Wars universe, as it as it were. 
Uh, Mythos. But but this um this is kind of part of the Star Wars that that I re- why did you say that, Tina? Uh we're gonna have to talk about that. Um <laughs> or maybe we shouldn't. Um but uh man, now I lost my train of thought. Good going, Keener. Um <laughs> Nice with that. <laughs> so the Sith and Jedi are, are, are a very important part of Star Wars. <coughs> this was the, this is one of those things uh, about Star Wars that we didn't really get. Oh, screw you, DB. <laughs> <laughs> you had to say it. Dang it, DB. You had to say it. <laughs> that, that's not even funny, man. <laughs> this, is, this is the Star Wars, you know. We don't. This is the Star Wars up until you know, up until we got to Rogue One, uh, we didn't get this side of Star Wars, and uh, this is the part of Star Wars that we were sorely lacking, and uh, so this just kind of built on that. Um, and of course, you know we got some some really. Uh, you were, we were saying, you know, after watching it multiple times, uh, some of the impact of some of the characters in the show uh, made even more of an impact than they originally did. And and uh, on that note, let's talk about some of the characters in Andor. Uh, of course, there's Andor. Um, we'll am I, I mean, am I wrong in thinking that? I really liked his backstory, you know, showing where he came from because he re- he really kind of showed of a, you know, his background was more of a, uh, um, what do I want to say? How do I want to say this? He was more of a um, indigenous persons of a planet that became a uh, victim of mass industrialization, and then he was rescued by someone, you know, and I mean that's the real basic summary of it and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of yeah. glad they gave that backstory of him, you know, so they could kind of show where he came from and kind of his early life experiences of of having the trauma of the industrialization, losing, you know, his sister, of not really understanding what was going on because he's part of a primitive, uh, a more primitive culture that didn't understand what was going on, and then he had the some of the traumatizing events, so it kind of led up to more understanding of him and that kind of thing and um but in in a lot of the movies especially after they kind of the first part of it because like you were talking about earlier it's it feels like this movie this this show was breaking up into several parts it was kind of explaining him and kind of establishing him on the planet and then the heist and then the prison and then him coming full circle going back to the planet and kind of finishing (laughs) up where he was at that point yeah and it seems like almost that we weren't we were understanding him and kind of where he came from, but we were more getting exposed to the people that he was around, and you know the 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 people that influenced him to become part of the rebellion, rebellion. Mm-hmm. rather than him wanting to be a part of it. It just more or less everything that happened to him made him want to be a part of that. Yeah, I mean maybe that's and that's just kind of my interpretation of it. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so they did a they did a good job with his backstory and um kind of just I mean really there's 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 a lot that can be said about the Andor character because he is essentially the focus of the show more or less. Um, mm. but there are a lot of other uh characters, one of which they are talking about uh quite extensively in the chat room here. Um and uh right now they are talking about cereal or cereal. Cereal. Yeah, mm. that guy. Um so this former uh deputy um corporate um security guy who starts out this uh show trying to track down andor uh because he uh because he murdered two of his colleagues um ultimately this investigation got him got got the well not just him but got the entire uh corporate authority uh kicked off the planet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lost everything um but there was got a him, lot of, got uh, him disbanded yeah yeah not just kicked off the planet but got him disbanded <laughs> yeah yeah the empire took over everything um so he's got this determination to find andor and then he he kind of gets this um He, he basically becomes this 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 bureaucrat for um what was it standards at weights and measures i i don't remember what the name of the place he was but he uh he he gets this um he gets this uh, almost infatuation um if you will for another character uh Deidre, who is the uh, imperial uh, the isb agent that we mentioned earlier uh, that kind of seemed like at the even at the onset of in, introduction of her character, she's got this uh, <clears throat> this thought process in her head that there's something out there that they're you know the ISB is not paying attention to. Yeah, like there's something out there, and um, and see, I think even though I don't, I don't think that his acting or if you know with his acting and her acting and the, and the story between the two of them, I don't think quite gives enough because I think they did a phenomenal job with the two of them, you know, and both of them in their perspective roles, but that's more of that darker, darker star Wars that we were talking about, you know, because the, not only the relationship that they end up, you know, kind of hinting on between the two of them. And I don't even really think that's a good word to use because he more had an obsession with her because he kind of understood there was a little something going on. And he knew that she did too. So he became obsessed with what she had going on. And it seemed like she had the confidence to, to investigate everything and was kind of going on the right track. And she was more leading him along saying, I know what's going on, but he wanted to be a part of it, but she didn't want him to be a part of it. And his just struggle with that whole thing was like, it, that was the, I think that was the slowest burn of the whole thing. Because every time they, they pulled into, you know, every time they, they focused on his character, it was kind of like, you know, what are you doing? What are you, what are you trying to do? What are you, where, where are you going with this? <laughs> and then he meets up with this girl and all of a sudden everything just kind of happens in a flash by the end of the show. And it, it almost teeters. I want to say it almost teeters or kind of borders on a little bit of, I mean, I, I don't even think it's, I don't think it was wrong to say it. <laughs> it borders on a little bit of creepiness on his part. 
because oh, yeah. he's yeah. like 100 percent obsessed with her. Vibes from him. Yeah, I was like, dude, you're just creepy. <laughs> I'm like, I don't and, understand and, where you're going with this, but you're creepy. And looking at it from the outside, you're thinking, dude, you're you're stalking an ISB agent. What the hell are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and all you were was a corporate security guy and you're stalking an imperial agent. I'm like, that is the last <laughs> person you want to be stalking. <laughs> you know what, though? You know what, though? I, Weird or not, it works out for him in the end. It does. It does <laughs> I really. mean, uh, I don't know. It, it, I will say this: it, <laughs> and, and and or and or season two, and or season two, I will be interested to see where that goes. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is wrong in so many ways. <laughs> it really is. Patrick just joined the chat. How's it going, Patrick? Hey, Patrick. Um, Speaking of Tina, uh, we can also talk about her favorite character from the show, uh, and I am referring to uh, Perrin Fertha, who is Mon Mothma's husband. Uh, that's everybody's favorite character. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> yeah, that, that guy. Yeah, he's. I've never, I've never looked at. Uh, so I've Mon never Mothma, looked at. I've never looked at two people and goes. I've never screamed. Divorce that dude so bad in my life. <laughs> oh, come on, Tina. You know Perrin's your favorite character. <laughs> um, but Mon Mothma, we really, uh, we really, you know, they really dig into. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> did you see that, too? <laughs> yeah, I did see that, too. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> you're not wrong, Tina. You're, you're not wrong. I I imagine you're not wrong. But yeah, you get you get the kind of the behind the scenes of Mon Mothma as she you know she's trying to navigate uh, being a senator and trying to put this this uh, rebel alliance together. Um, and and the and the show ends with this like, so you know as as a senator and who is not what she appears to be, um, you have to make, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have, you have to make compromises uh, to fully facilitate what you have chosen to be. And the end of the series or end of the season, you, you, you get a glimpse into one of those compromises that she's having to, she's having to, uh, really, you know, something that, that she's really, really doesn't want to do, but is almost becoming well, a necessity. And, and, and the crazy, the, uh, the crazy thing about her is, is it you you gain so much more respect for her on a level of. You know, it's one thing to be fighting a battle against the Empire for the Rebellion, but this, you get a deeper sense of how many fronts she's actually fighting on. Oh, yeah. You know, she's she's fighting her husband. She's not got a good relationship with her daughter. She's trying to maintain her status as a senator, but she's trying to manage the Rebellion at the same time. Mm -hmm. She's putting her faith in this other person to be a uh, a liaison 
to other factions of the rebellion and he's got his own agendas i mean she's she's oh. trying to manage this on so many levels and i i gained i mean like i said um return of the jedi is one of my favorite movies and you get to see a very a very short glimpse of her and what she was going through and kind of you see the you see the the stress in her face when she talks about the people that have died to, to fight for the rebellion. And now you see this and what she's gone through and what, and how many fronts she's fighting and the, and the masks and the different things that she has to wear in order to keep the straight up, you right. know, in order to try to do this. And it's like, Oh, I, yeah, she, she, in my opinion is probably one of the, is probably the, the best standout character in, in the series. Tina you just know, hit the nail on the head with that character, though. She said she has to compromise her morals for the greater good. She gave up everything. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. She's yeah. she's just her her what her character has to go through is outstanding, and then and um, the acting ability on that was just. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just it's not enough just to deliver. And that's something I've I've, I've talked about in this show before. It's not just the ability to, 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 to say the lines and to, to make it work in the scene, to actually show it in her face and for her face to show what is going on. And you see mm -hmm. that by the end where she has to introduce her daughter to this, this guy that she doesn't like right. and his son and say there's a potential that they may, they may get together and she has to do this in order to you know go the other way and, and that sort of thing. It's like, ah, the, the, you know, there's the... Yeah, I, I yeah, she's outstanding in my opinion. Yeah, outstanding, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about a, uh, a little bit about Luthen, the uh, antique dealer, who <laughs> uh, definitely has some some work going on behind the scenes in creating the Rebel Alliance. Uh, helping push that along, um, you know he's got to work with he's got to work with the senator, and he's got to be kind of sneaky about that, about how he talks to her, uh, and then he deals with uh, he ends up dealing with Saul Guerrero, uh, you know, has a relationship with him. Then he has this rebel group on Aldani. That he's got working these jobs, trying to trying to build build finances uh, for the rebellion, uh, and then on top of that, he's got an ISB agent that he is uh, kind of got things burning with as well. Uh, he's got a, he's got a he's got a, a mole or a plant in the inside. Yeah, he's he's yeah, right. He's got a mole, and he is. Uh, uh, Tina's right. Yeah, Lucid is is a fantastic character, and yes, uh, yes, just another character that uh, maybe not to the extent as Mon Mothma, but really has a lot to lose with his dealings. But you know the thing about him is though is that it seems like the difference between him and Mon Mothma is he's he's manipulating a lot of different factors instead of trying to 
handling in a diplomatic manner like my mothma is and mm-hmm. trying to you know do what you know do things on a non uh, combat level he's fanning the flames on different ends because he's supporting not only the heist, but he's supporting Saul Guerrero, trying to get him to do things, which we already know Saul Guerrero is an extremist. We already know that he does things on a very terroristic level. We already know that. And then he's, he's manipulating several different cogs in the wheel when it comes to the rebellion. And it almost makes me think, huh? Think about this. If Luthan was to be captured and interrogated and uh, they were able to get the information that he has inside his head. Oh, it'd be the fall of the rebellion. That rebellion, yeah, it would completely dismantle. He's got got Saw. He's got the ISB agent. He's got Mon Mothma. He's got all these... uh, you know, not necessarily mercenaries, but like field agents. And but he you know, also too. But at the same time, he also kind of gives you that era of or that feeling of <clears throat> he's prepared for that. He yeah. kind of knows that's a possibility, and he's almost kind of like in a way, he's almost what you would describe as kind of a kamikaze agent because he knows at any time he could be foiled, he could go down, and he's trying to put the pieces in place before he goes down. Almost, you know, and and like that whole speech that he gives to the ISB agent down in the tunnels, you know, from that speech that he's already given up, that he's already pretty much uh, um, um, remanded himself to a death penalty that he knows one day will all will come for him. Yeah. But and he's just trying to get as much done before. Yeah. Before that happens. And Mm. you can kind of tell that, but you can kind of tell that about him. I mean, and it's like. And that, yeah. that speech that speech was kind of one of the highlights of the entire series. It was just mm-hmm. man, it hit you. Um but but you know, some Tina mentioned here it, it, she's probably right. He has some kind of uh not necessarily a cyanide pill, but uh some kind of as she mentions it, an instant kill switch. So if he gets yeah. captured, nope. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die before I I say anything. Well, and, and everybody everybody kind of speculates on what his staff is. You know that little staff that he has. Mm-hmm. He's got that staff that he always carries around with him. Yeah. You know, and everybody's like, "Oh, is it a lightsaber? Is it a is it a vibranium? Or is it a vibroblade uh, staff? Or yeah. you know, what is it?" And she well, might be right. She might be. She may be very right. All he has to do is be captured. All he's got to do is detonate that thing, and that's it. I can only imagine what's in that thing because uh, while not necessarily a character uh, in the in the strictest sense of the word uh, and related to Luthen, uh, something that the Dragon Buddy mentioned in the chat, the Fondor, that ship is crazy. <laughs> that, that is crazy. That <laughs> like, is crazy. If he does that to a to a just a regular little hull craft, yeah, what's in that staff? But that's Fondor. <laughs> Did some crazy shit. <coughs> yeah, that, that, yeah that, that thing was pretty cool. That thing was, yeah. I mean, you know, a guy who's set up like that and has everything prepared the way he does, you know, he's got a contingency plan for if he makes it, if he doesn't make it, if he gets yeah. captured, you know, he's got contingency plans for everything. And yeah, that ship, I agree. 
one hundred percent. That that ship was badass, and um, yeah. So yeah, he's his, and you know, I uh, one that I don't hear a lot about as far as speeches go is the one that he that he has with Andor when he first meets him. Mm, yeah, you know the little talk and the little speech that they have there. That was an interesting one too, and I at least it's not <laughs> as long and not as intense as intense, and um, it, it kind of kind of nullified the meaning of it when he ends up trying to go after him or trying to find him to kill him because he thinks that he knows too much. But then when at the end, when Andor finds him and says, make, you know, you know, he's trying to get him to make his choice, whether he wants to kill him and he gives him the option, then he kind of realizes that I think he realizes that going after him and trying to take him out at that point was a mistake and he's found his man. Yeah. Um, so another character, uh, another a really great standout character in this show, I think, was uh, Kino Loy, uh, played by Andy Serkis. Yeah, and so this is the uh, you know, he's a prisoner and he's kind of one of the trustees, if you will, of this uh, imperial prison complex. Um, and he delivered, uh, he delivered some great lines, but not only that, he delivered some facial expressions that really made an impact. Um, specifically the one that I'm thinking of is when, uh, the prison doctor, if you want to call him the prison doctor, uh, comes into, uh, check on the, the older man that has the stroke and this conversation that they're having with him about what has just happened in the prison recently. But the looks on on Kino's face, it's like, damn. It just, the light bulb went off and shit's about to go down. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and again, and I saw I saw DB's comment about the monologuing and about the dialogue yeah, yeah. in the show. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, especially Luthen, but yeah, like Mon Mothma's um, and uh, Andy Serkis' performances in the show, they mm-hmm. really, I mean, like I said, I, I, I'll stand on this again. The acting in the show really uh, was so great because not only – do you get the monologues? Not only do you get the speeches, not only do you get these deeper dives into what's going on and these more intense explanations, but you get, you, you actually see it in their faces, what's going on. And you can see when they realize that he thought he was actually going to be let loose, that he thought he was actually going to get out of there by doing the best he could for the empire only to realize that eventually they were either going to send him to a deeper part of the prison or they were just going to execute him. And at that point, he was just trying to be somebody who was just being a part of the solution so he could get out of there. And then the next thing he knows, I'm never going to get out of here. I'm never going to make it out of here alive. It's never never going to happen for me. It's never going to happen for me. And you you can see it. You can see it in his face. Because even when he's sitting in his cell and he realizes – that something is so wrong and he's never going to make it. You can see the twist in his face. He's like, Holy crap. I need to do, we need to do something. 
you know, and 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 Andor's characters right there behind him, going, "Man, we need to we need to figure this out because we're never going to make it out of here if you don't help us." And you know more than anybody since you're you're the man on the floor. And yeah, Tina, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's some of the best dialogue in Star Wars, and that's why I'm glad it was such a slow burn because you get some of the best dialogue because you don't yeah. get that when it's fast paced when it's. When it's action and blaster bolts and lightsabers, you get better dialogue. Here's the thing about the slow burn comments. I, I agree it was a slow burn in ways, but I really think that that slow burn was deliberate. Yeah. And I'm glad, like you said, I'm glad that it was a slow burn because we got more. Uh, they It wasn't rushed. Mm-hmm. They let us know what was going on. There wasn't. There wasn't just like with some of the shows. They just, uh, you know, I'm not going to name one in particular that I thought was terribly rushed, but uh, just you did not get that sense that they were rushing into the story. They they really wanted to tell the story. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any other characters specifically you can think of that you wanted to talk about? Mm, there's so many we could go into, man. I mean, uh, I mean, there's so many we could go into. We could spend, we could probably, we could probably spend an episode just going over the characters and each one of them true. and their contribution to the show. I mean, we really could. I mean, there's just so many, so many great characters, so many great, uh, <clears throat> just, just so many great performances out of it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, honestly, if we wanted to do a show just on Andor characters, <laughs> we, we really could, do it. could. But um, I wanted to spend a little time talking about some of the uh, locations that we got to see in this show. Um, so I made a list here. So the first uh, planet that we visit in this show is Morlana One, um, which is uh, we we do see this planet multiple times but it, it the show starts off with this one when uh cassian is looking for his sister uh in that bar um so morlana one of course uh, it's a uh it's the headquarters of the uh preox morlana corporation um basically a security corporation um this is their their headquarters uh, it is located in the outer rim. Um, so we get this planet uh, that you know when the when the show starts off, it's basically uh, fully owned by this corporation. And then, <laughs> due to the uh, bumbling tactics of one uh, Cyril and his crew, um, it, the the entire corporation goes down. And the planet is taken out of their hands and uh, put uh, directly in control of the empire. Um, not, not because he didn't have a Scottish guy in his ear, ear chanting that he needed to do something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's um, another character we could talk about too. Is that dude? We really could. And, yeah. it, it, <laughs> but it, interesting, interesting planet. Um, most of the planets, uh, with the exception of one, um, off the top of my head anyway, um, that we saw in the show, we had never heard of before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like Milana One, I'd never heard of it. 
Um, and then, of course, you got uh, Ferrix, uh, which we see quite a lot of in this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, also an Outer Rim planet. Um, kind of a rocky rocky planet. Not, not really a lot of plant life on it. Um, also, uh, when the show starts out, it is under the jurisdiction of the, the Preox Morlana Corporation, uh, and then also gets taken over by the Empire, uh, because of what happened on Ferrix very early in the, in the series. Uh, but this is where Andor and Luthen meet for the first time. And where he is recruited uh, to take part in in the heist um, that happens later on. Um, so another interesting planet uh, that I don't remember ever hearing about before. Um, but it seems like this. Uh, planet was also kind of part of the birth of the rebellion, um, kind of specifically with the riot that happens in the in the last episode. Uh, which, if I'm if I'm thinking right, the last episode is called Rick's Road, and um, yeah, so there was a big uh, big riot that happened due to. Um, Cassian, the, the you know the speech made by Cassian's uh, mom, uh, post <laughs> post posthumous uh, speech. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, interesting planet. Um, what other planets did we get? We got to see. Uh, we didn't see it very often, uh, but it does have some importance as far as background, uh, and that would be Canari. Uh, which is the birthplace of of Cassian? Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, planet. you get to see you get to see post industrialization of it, and after it had an accident. Yeah, yeah. So this planet was like uh, very rich in mineral deposits, uh, but by the time we get to the show, um, those minerals are pretty much completely extracted uh, during the Republic era. Mm-hmm. Um, so even, even before your, um, well, it might've been during the Clone Wars, but it could have been before the Clone Wars. I'm not sure. Uh, kind of might've been both. We don't really know. Yeah. It might've been a little bit of both. Um, but that's a, you know, that's a planet that, um, I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to go, we're, we're going to end up seeing that one again in the rest of the series. Well, you were talking about the planet at the beginning of the show when he's actually something they don't address very much is that he was there because he was looking for a sister. Right. And he was under the impression that she might have been there. So I'm wondering if they're going to pick up that storyline when season two comes up is if they're going to pick up the fact that he's going to go look for or did his mother's his adopted mother or whatever you want to call her. Did his did her words resonate with him and say don't go looking for her, you know, don't do it, blah, 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 for whatever reason. So did he, is he going to give up? And that's the last we're going to see of it, you know, and he's not even going to concern himself with it anymore. We don't, we don't really know. We won't really know. We won't, we won't know till season two. How's that? Yeah, we won't. 
Let's see, other planets. What? Uh, well, of course, we have uh, Aldani, which is where the heist itself takes place. Uh, nice, grassy, mountainous planet there. Um, More of Coruscant? There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, just based on what they, just based on the little bit of information that we got uh, from the show, there is a lot of history behind that planet. Uh, especially with the with the native population and their kind of almost religion, um, if you will, and so that that's a planet that uh, I I don't expect we'll probably we'll go back to that planet, uh, but uh, there is a lot of definitely a lot of rich history that makes the planet interesting enough. Well, to I think I think from what they said, if I remember correctly, from what they said a lot of the indigenous population had been suppressed so that way the empire could do their thing. So a yeah. lot of them had been cleared out with the exception of a few farmers and sheep herders and thing, you know, just a few scattered, uh, yeah. a few, few scattered settlements, but most of the people had been scattered been taken out and, uh, you know, to, so the empire could do their thing. But I mean, the eye thing was impressive. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty, yeah, cool. that was really cool. I liked it. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next planet that we see in the show is, uh, I think the next planet we see after that is, uh, Coruscant, or that may have been before Aldani, I don't know. Um, we kind of see Coruscant throughout the whole thing, it kind of cuts oh, yeah, in yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you're, you're definitely right, there's a lot of, uh, Coruscant uh, references and uh, viewings throughout the show. Um, and you basically see it as kind of a background piece, and that you know that's where they're at, but you don't actually get to see a lot of it just because it's a background piece for her yeah. house, for his antique store, things like that. Uh, the ISB headquarters. Um, ISB, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you're, you're there a lot. Uh, yeah. And, and then and where uh, Cyril, where Cyril works, where his mom lives, that's kind of cool too because you kind of get to see like one of the like a standard average apartment for someone living on Coruscant. Yeah, yeah. And it's very plain, very drab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is the one planet in the show that we actually had heard of before we saw this. Um, and then there, you well, know. Sorry, I don't actually think they say it, but you kind of understood it from Rogue One, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong. But um, Saul Guerrero's base—I mean, they don't actually mention the planet; they don't actually say it. But you kind of knew it was there. Um, well, when when we see Saw, that was not on Jeddah. Okay, no. so that, then I'm then I'm I'm mistaken on that one. Okay. No, he was, he was actually on a planet out in the outer rim called Segra Milo. Okay. Um, and so... You see, I wasn't sure. They never... I don't think they ever actually mentioned where he's at. I don't, I don't remember if they mentioned the name of it or not. Um, but uh, I know I did some reading about it, and this was basically the, the headquarters for Saw and his partisans... Uh, 
up until there was a certain point that we, I mean, we don't see it in the show, uh, but the Imperials kind of sniff him out there and then he, he escapes and, and finds another location. Uh, and that might be when he ends up in Jeddah. I don't, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of history with, uh, with Saul and his partisans and, and moving around that we don't get uh, in any of the shows. So, yeah. Um, and Forrest yeah, Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker, always been a fan of his. He's a, oh. a, another great actor. Awesome. Does a great job as Saul Guerrero. I think he's great. <laughs> Saul Guerrero is actually one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. Yeah. He's he's outstanding. And I love like I said, I love him as an actor. He's great. And uh yeah, he's yeah. he does a real good job. Uh so another planet that we see a couple of times in the show is um I think it's pronounced Nemos. Uh Neomos, it's the it's the kind of the resort planet. Oh yeah, yeah. Andor's on when he gets arrested. <laughs> mm, yeah, you don't see a whole lot of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Reminded he, me he, of like he, reminded me of like Monaco or the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, he's there, uh, and then goes back after he gets out of prison because he needs to get mm-hmm. his money. Uh, <laughs> um, but. Um, that does lead us to the last planet that we see, um, in the show. Oh, actually, and in, in fact, it's actually not even a planet. It's a moon. Uh, and that's, uh, Narkina five, um, <clears throat> which, uh, is of course the, the location of the prison complex. Mm-hmm. Um, Multiple prison complex. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, um, so they're making something, and you know, based off of what we see toward the end of the, or, or you know, right at the end of the series, uh, they're making this <laughs> to the Death Star. Mm. It was so um, fun too because when that show was coming out, and we were discussing that amongst like different chat groups, different channels, different mm-hmm. people that love Star Wars, everybody was speculating on what those things were. And my guess, I'll be honest with you, my guess. Was I thought they were making the panels for the for the Tie Fighters? That's what I thought too. Yeah, I thought yeah. they were making the panels for the Tie. And then at the end, you see them assembling the dish for the Death Star, and I went, "Ah, uh, I was so wrong." Oh yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Um, so season two of Andor, uh. From the last bit of news that I saw, um, that is supposed to be released in August. Um, now, I don't know and- if this makes a difference. I know I don't know if this makes a difference or not. And like I said, I I, I trust social media with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed so far, uh, what is it? They showed um, skeleton crew and acolyte. So far are on the template. Now they haven't said anything about Andor season two, but then again, they, you know they might they might mention that later in the year. So who knows? Yeah. Um, but from what I have read, there's going to be twelve episodes. Uh, so we're going to get another long uh, TV show. That's that's going to be great. 
Um, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about what I'm going to refer to as the season two wish list. <laughs> what do you want to see in season two? Right off the top of my head. Uh, I definitely want to see how he uh, acquires K2SO. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I, now, here's my thing, though. I love Alan Tudyk. He's awesome. He's a great actor. I love He's the number one of those people that he just is between his facial expressions and his acting. <laughs> I love I love Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Uh, the thing about it is, though, is that, Al, is that in Rogue One, Alan Tudyk and K2SO added that kind of comic relief um, uh, aspect to the aspect of the movie. You know, those fun little moments that you're kind of like, he came out of the middle of nowhere and he would say something you didn't expect. Yeah. And then you kind of went, well, that, okay, that was funny. Um, with the seriousness of Andor season one, I, I want to see that. I want to see him acquire K2SO and I want to see K2SO and his first part of their relationship together. But I'm also kind of worried that it might kind of mess with the flow of the show, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because he'll add that comedic aspect to it, and it might change the dynamic of the show a little bit, which it may not be bad. It may it just kind of depends on how they take the direction of season two. You know, they may have taken a little bit more lighthearted. It may be a little bit more action, a little bit more, a little bit more fun, a little bit more laid back. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm afraid that it may fall victim to, um, like, like we've talked about in the past Mandalorian season three. I love Mandalorian season three. Don't get me wrong. I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was, there was nothing wrong with it, but it was so hard to beat Mandalorian season two with what they did with season three, that there was no way they were going to top that. And, and, and like star Wars fans, and I'm sure a lot of people in the chat, I'm sure a lot of, I'm sure, you know, as well as I do that people get this idea in their head that it's going to go a certain way. But the good thing about Andor is, is that we didn't know what to expect. And what we got was like, holy crap, this is awesome. Now, the only thing I'm worried about is now that they know that, they're going to go, well, we expect this from Andor. And I'm going to go, but you introduced KS, KS, K2SO into the mix. And now we've added another dynamic to the show. So I'm, I'm anxious to see it happen, but I'm kind of worried. I'm a, I'm a little, little concerned. Um. So one thing that I, I want to see, um, so in season one, Mon Mothma was discussing a third party that she wanted to bring in. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation on that. I'd really like to see uh, them reveal who, who she's talking about there. Um, I'm wondering if it's... Uh... I'm wondering, uh, honestly, I'm wondering if it's uh, the introduction of um, uh, Admiral Akbar and his and his people. Maybe um, I don't know. Um, while I don't think this is the person she's referring to, I would like to see them uh, bring in, um, even if it's just for an episode or two. I'd like to see them bring in Bell Organa. Mm -hmm. 
uh, yep. because he was he was definitely uh, an important part of the Rebel Alliance at its foundation. Um, they better do and that. If, and if we want to make Schmitz. a very general wish list, I just want to see more about the foundations of the Rebe uh, Rebel Alliance. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It'd be interesting, too, to see um, if uh, – and it's kind of far out there, and maybe that's not part of it yet, <clears throat> and, and we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. But I would love to see them, um, you know, like you were talking, like them establishing and more getting into the um, establishment of the Rebel Alliance. But I would love to see them bring in Yavin 4 and how they discovered that base and how they established that base. That would be kind of cool to see. Yeah, um, something about that, I've always, I mean, it's not so much when um, A New Hope was out, because it, it, I hadn't really heard about Yavin 4 before that, but like, as the, uh, as the um, movies and TV series have progressed, um, Yavin 4 was a huge Sith planet. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, a lot it, of history it there, kind too. of makes you wonder, why the hell did they pick that to be there? Yeah, and there's a lot of history on Yavin, too. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, I don't know, and uh, maybe, and maybe you can correct me on this. I know in Legends, there was a lot of history on Yavin as far as the, between the Sith and the Jedi. Yeah, well, um, Yavin was the planet. Uh, I want to say it was uh, it was either Freedonad or Naga Sadal that established kind of a his Sith alchemy lab there, mm. um, and then Exar Kun, who was another Sith. Mm -hmm. um, kind of established a base there as well. Yeah. So, and then it was kind of funny that later you found out that they did that after you knew that the rebellion had established their main base there. Yeah. And it was kind yeah. of like, uh, hmm, okay. But it would be interesting because, I mean, it might segue into other things and maybe they can introduce, you know, there's a chance that maybe if they do that, they can introduce – um, legends and lore that they want to do in later dates. Like maybe they want to bring Exar Kun into the new canon or, you know, some of those other characters or some of that other stuff in there, you know, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely um, places like that can, can help bring and actually another thing. Good thing. You know, interesting. You brought that up when you're talking about um, legends um, in Andor, um, Luthen made a uh, a reference to some legends material uh, when he referred to the Ricotta Empire. Mm -hmm. um, so it would be interesting to see see them kind of um, maybe pop some more legends uh, hints in there. Well, a lot of his. Um... A lot of his uh, artifacts in his um, in his antique store yeah. uh, referred to games and different things that were in legends. 
you know, there's a lot of Easter eggs and a lot of things in there that had to do with Legends. One of my favorite pre-Disney Star Wars games was uh, Force Unleashed. Mm-hmm. And the, um, you know, the, the outfit that he had in there that was fully assembled, the, the Sith outfit, um, you know, that kind of referred to that as well. Even though that game is no longer canon, it's still yeah. referred to that. So it's kind of neat that they're introducing some of that stuff so that way maybe they can bring some of that stuff into canon. And it's good for the EU fans, too, because, you know, they bring that stuff in and establish it as being part of the Star Wars universe. Before you know it, obviously the sequels are the sequels, and we're not going to get the stuff that happened after Return of the Jedi. But maybe some of the stuff before, a lot of that they can incorporate into it, and they bring it into. And they do that by bringing it into these shows and dropping little hints and little ideas that these things exist. And I, I think it's great. I think it's a good thing. I think it's really cool that they're doing that. And they've even talked about going back and doing shows from the Old Republic and even going back to and doing the Origins of the Jedi shows. There's these kind of hints out there that they're going to do stuff like that. And I think it's great. I hope they, I hope they do that because then it, it, will bring, it will bring those, those, you know, those, uh, those groups together, if you will. That, that is right. The, uh, the movie that James Mangold... Uh, is supposed to be uh, directing is a like a Dawn of the Jedi movie, uh, you know, the origins of the Jedi. So that'll be um, that'll be interesting. Uh, James that Mangold, cool. of course, is the guy that directed the movie Logan. Uh, yeah. So that could that could be very interesting. There's there's so. You know, we, we, we didn't, uh, we haven't had a show since the announcement, but, um, and, and while it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Andor and our discussion here, uh, what are your thoughts on um, Dave Filoni kind of taking over the creative role? I think it's great. Um, I'm, I've said this before. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not a Kathleen Kennedy hater. I think she does a great job. She's done productions on some of the best uh, pulp. Uh, uh, what do I want to say? What's the word I'm looking for here? Some of the best um, past pulp, or, or you know, uh, um, pulp culture movies in the past. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite franchises she's done production on, um, and I think that it's a great move. I think it's, I think it is definitely something that's past due. Um, I really hope that he, uh, takes over and as much as I think that, uh, some people don't want to see it, I really hope that he takes some of his knowledge, some of the things that he's done with star Wars. And I think he, I, I, I want to see, uh, him really apply that to the newer content, including mm-hmm. the sequel trilogy and kind of brings that into light and brings some stories that will help progress that story along. I hope he's very involved in the new Ray movies, whichever, whatever they may be, because yeah. don't believe what you hear online because they may <laughs> not be the new Jedi order. It may not be who knows what it's going to be. We don't know yet. We don't know what it's going to be. That's the brass tacks of it is yeah. a lot of people have these theories about what it's going to be. And we don't know yet what it's going to be. And I'm, I'm not opposed to seeing it. I hope it's a great story. I hope they can correct some of the mistakes that were made in the sequels because there were mistakes made. I'm not one of those people who doesn't think there wasn't, but I'm I'm really excited to see what because if he gets complete creative control that he has now and he's able to do his thing I'm really excited to see what his ideas are 
and where he wants to go from here on. And like I said, I hope he doesn't concentrate because I know his thing has been the Cold Wars, and I know his thing has been, you know, kind of pre the 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 original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really hoping that he takes all aspects of Star Wars and expands on them even broader and makes new stories that encompass every era and not just the original, the prequels, the sequels, but the old Republic, the new Republic, the origins, the after the sequels, the, I hope he takes it all into a new direction. And he, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that with everything that he does and the fact that George Lucas and him see things on the same level, I'm hoping that I'm really, really thinking that he's going to be able to do that in a way that will bring people of both sides of the argument back into the fold. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think they're making a, uh, Lucasfilm or, or rather, uh, Disney is making a, um, a really good decision with yes. kind of putting him in charge. Yeah. Um, because I think of all their properties, I don't think star Wars Star Wars is not, I think Star Wars has the pedigree, the background, and the consistency that it can keep going at a, at a more uh, even pace. Because Marvel is great. I love Marvel. Don't get me wrong. I love Marvel. But Marvel hit this huge high. And now it's kind of doing this nosedive. And I don't know if it's because people aren't interested in the stories, if it's fatigue, if it's politics, whatever the case may be. But in the in the point of it is, is it it kind of really hit this real epic high, and now it's kind of it's kind of fallen off a little bit. But as much as people in the dark side of Star Wars want to say, I don't think Star Wars is doing as bad, or is I definitely don't think it's dead, and I don't think it's doing as bad. I think it's doing consistent. I think it's putting up consistent um, numbers. I think it's putting up consistent content. And uh, I think with him at the helm, I think you'll slowly start to see that rise of Star Wars becoming the dominant, uh, the dominant um, sci-fi franchise mm-hmm. um, when it comes to that kind of thing because of him. And I, because he's great, he's a great writer. He's a great writer. He's a great thinker. He's forward thinking on all these things, and I, I'm really excited to see where he goes with it. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, what we get going forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So, um, thanks everybody for coming in and listening and hanging out with us in the chat, <laughs> and. Uh, Thanks, JD, for coming and talking some Andor with me. Yes, sir. Um, I believe next week, um, unless things have changed, uh, we are going to have Pete on with us. uh, And we are going to have a discussion about the sequel trilogy. Um, just kind of a general discussion, not not really one particular movie of the trilogy. Just kind of a trilogy in general. Uh, but after that, um, how far along in in uh, Return of the Jedi from a certain point of view are you? I am halfway. 
Uh, I kind of hit a wall. I listened to it when I was traveling back and forth from Colorado, but I'm halfway through. I am going to try to concentrate this weekend on trying to finish it if I can. And, uh, yeah, if we want to do a show on that, I've got yeah, some I think, interesting I think talking we points. That, um, if we are both done with it, uh, maybe the 19th. Um, I mean, I'm I'm to a point now. I'm just about done with the aforementioned best albums of 2023 list. Uh, so I'm not spending a lot of time. I, I won't be spending a lot of time uh, trying to re-listen to albums. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll have some more time to get on my uh, my Audible and, and listen to uh, the more of Return of the well, Jedi. Even even halfway through, there's some interesting talking points. <laughs> there really is. Yeah, I'm I'm about I'm about halfway through as well. I think I think the story that I just finished uh, was um about. Uh, Palpatine. Okay, I'm I'm on the story with uh, um, uh, Wicket. Okay, uh, it's called one normal, one normal day. One normal day. Oh, you're you're much further behind than I I am. <laughs> I got a uh, lot of catching up to do. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, we might be done by the nineteenth, and if not. Um, we'll just save that for next year. Um, I will try to make, I will try to make it my priority to finish that. So we can do it by the 19th. Cause I think it would be a good discussion. Yeah. I mean, another thing we can do because that's actually the 19th is going to be our last. Actually, let me look at the calendar again. Hang on. Um, no, no. Where's, where's December at? Okay. There we go. Uh, yeah, that'll actually be our last episode of the year. Uh, because we won't be doing a show on the 26th. Um, we could possibly do a... I don't know. We'll talk about that offline. It, it might be a, a Return of the Jedi from a certain point of view, or it might be something else. Uh, but mm-hmm. we will do a show. <laughs> uh, so again, we'll figure something out. Listening. Uh, and all of you folks that are watching on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe and like and all that jazz. And if you are listening to us on uh, any of our audio platforms, please um, review and rate the show if that is an option. And uh, if you like what you see, spread the word, man. Get some more people in here to have some discussions with us. Heck yeah, definitely. Uh, so that is it for this week. We'll see you next week. And everybody, you have a, a great week. See you next time. This show is part of the Subculture Podcast Network. For pop culture and entertainment podcasts, go to bio.link slash subculturepodnetwork. Prepare to be entertained.